I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Armin and Megan Day, evangelists and women's ministry leaders in the Albuquerque, New Mexico Church. They've doubled their campus ministry to 30 disciples in the last two years. What's even more interesting is how they've done it. They've developed a ministry philosophy built upon six pillars of conviction. They devote one day a month on campus on which all the students pray and fast and then break the fast that night with a devotional of prayer and worship. Listen as they share what's helped them to build a healthy and thriving campus ministry. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. The CLIMB Conference is almost here. I'm so pumped. It's going to be amazing. It's not too late to to join. You can just go to robskinner.com and sign up today. It's going to be so, so, so much fun. It's going to be so encouraging. It's going to be just a hotbed of great ideas great fellowship, friendship building. Please, please, please don't miss this opportunity. It's November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. Just go to robskinner.com and register today if you haven't already. Armin and Megan, welcome to the program. Thank you for having having us. us. Yeah, it's great to have you guys on the program. How'd you guys become Christians? Um, Well, I I grew up here in Albuquerque. Um, I grew up a atheist and i dated a girl in high school whose mom was a disciple in our church here single mom and uh when we got to college she went to her last teen camp kind of that summer going into into college and was really convicted and she started studying the bible and basically um my freshman year of college gave me an ultimatum to uh become a christian or we would break up and i didn't really even know what that meant so uh, reluctantly agreed to study the Bible. And uh, yeah, Jesus was just way, way different and way more amazing and incredible than I could have imagined. So um, that's how I got met. She brought me out, uh, connected me with the campus ministry and studied the Bible my freshman year of college. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's been, a, that's been a while. Okay. Yeah. That was January of tw- 2011. Wow. 2011. Okay. So I grew up in California. Um, I didn't grow up going to church, but I believed in God. Uh, When I was in middle school, one of my sisters, when she graduated high school, she moved to Kansas. And when she was in Kansas, she was met um, by a disciple at a Walmart. And so she started (laughs) studying the Bible. She became a disciple and would not stop talking about how amazing God was (laughs) and what God did in her life. And so uh, in high school, I asked her um, if I could go to church with her when she was down visiting in California. And so she took me to church. And then a couple months later, she got me connected with the teen ministry and with Bible studies. And so I started studying the Bible um, my freshman year of high school. And from my first Bible study, I knew like this was what I wanted, um, that I wanted to love and follow God. So I became a disciple, was baptized the end of my freshman year of high school. Wow. That was 2002. 2002. Okay. So you've been a, you've been a disciple over 20 years. Yes. Wow. Okay. And then how'd you guys get together? You're, you're from Southern California, I take it, Megan? So I'm from um, the LA regions. So Josh and Stacy Peterson, who lead our church here in Albuquerque, were my campus ministers in California. Wow. So they they moved to lead the church in Albuquerque. Um, I was still in California. I had a just had a tough year. And so one day Stacy was like, hey, we're doing this summer internship in Albuquerque. We would love for you to come and be a part of it. We think it would be 
really good opportunity, even for you just to work through and heal from the things of this past year. Um, and we would love to have you. And so I decided to do that. I came to Albuquerque for the summer and Armin, um, did that same internship that summer. So we became friends. <laughs> I was actually dating somebody else at the time. Okay. So I wasn't thinking, you know, I wasn't looking for anything. Um, he, I didn't know at the time started having feelings for me and he had talked to like Josh about it. And, um, when I went back to California after that summer, it was clear that relationship that I was in wasn't meant to be, we broke up. I call Stacy day, same day. She tells Josh, Josh calls Armin <laughs> and yeah. it's like, Hey, guess who's single. And it just so happened to be that Armin was going to be in, um, Southern California a couple weeks later for a Southwest conference. So we went on a date. He asked me on a date. Um, and then I, I already had plans to visit Albuquerque in November for Thanksgiving. So then we went on another date and then the rest sort of just is history. Um, we started dating and, and I moved to Albuquerque and we got married. What year was that? 2014 20, when she came. 2014. Okay. Yeah. And and where were you living? Where'd you become a Christian? Which, which city in particular were you converted in? Um, so I was, I lived in West Covina when I became a Christian. It was the East region of the LA churches, which okay. is now the lighthouse region. Okay. Peter Garcia's old ministry. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Okay. So you really liked her. And now how, how you guys have been married, what, 10 years? Eight and a half years. Eight and a yes. half years. How about kids? Yeah, we have a five-year-old son, and our daughter just turned three, and we've got a bun in the oven, one more on the way. Oh my gosh, three. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So, okay, Armin, what, that name, are you, what's, your, what's your ethnic background? Yeah, my mom's from Iran, so she moved here uh, during the Islamic Revolution in the late 70s, and my dad's American, so I'm, I'm half, half white, half Iranian. Okay, so your mom moved seventy uh, nine when the Shah was deposed. Yes. Okay, so was she like a, a political refugee or? Yeah, my my grandpa, her dad was actually a general in the military under the Shah, and so, um, you know, he was taken, put in prison, tortured for like seven years, and my they kind of took all my mom and her family stuff, and her and her mom and brother had to flee the country. So, what happened to her dad? Did he escape? You know, after seven years, they released him, and then uh, he wasn't allowed to leave the country. But yeah, he he ended up escaping and came over to the states. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, so what what led you get you get? I mean, what led you guys into the ministry? Tell tell us about your path to the ministry. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at every major decision point um, as a young adult, God put someone in my life or both of our lives to point us toward the ministry. It wasn't necessarily what I saw as my calling right away. I was in this eight year pre-med med program that, um, that I, that I was already accepted to going into college. So I always thought I was going to be a doctor, had a seat in med school, um, and loved serving God and being in Bible studies and helping people become Christians, but always thought my path to serve God was going to be through medicine. So actually that summer we met, I was going to do some, um, traveling and you know medical missionary work um and then josh was like hey you should you should consider the summer internship we're doing and i said no and he's like well we at least pray about it and so i was like all right i'll pray about it <laughs> so god made it clear after prayer okay this is something i should do and then um i was going to spend my part of my senior year studying abroad and you know volunteering with hope in south america and uh, again i think um god put the call hey you, sh you should lead the campus ministry here like we didn't we when I was a student we didn't have any uh, campus staff so as, as a student lead it and again I said no will you pray about it okay I'll pray about it and you know God made it clear okay I should stay and help lead the campus ministry my senior year and then um, I took a year leave of absence um, before starting the med school and um, was doing some cancer research and still leading the campus ministry like voluntarily kind of like a one-year challenge and in that time, again, like God put people in our life to 
prompt us, hey, you should consider the ministry. Um, I don't know if you want to share about you individually before we got engaged. Yeah, I had, um, when I became a disciple in, in high school, I had always felt like I couldn't imagine spending the majority of my time doing something that wasn't directly about God. And so I wanted to do, I actually wanted to do teen ministry. So that's where I was converted. Um, but I knew I needed a backup. So I got into teaching um, in college and really fell in love with teaching as well. And so I think similarly to Armin, every time I came across a crossroads to either decide to pursue um, my teaching career or ministry, God just always seemed to bring it back to ministry. Um, but when we started dating, it wasn't, I think both of us were open to it, but not sure if that's where God was calling us until we got engaged. Yeah. And that's where um, the church was able to raise the money to offer us a full-time position. And so we had to decide if I was going to go to med school and Megan was going to teach or we were going to do ministry. And so that process was just months of prayer, fasting, getting tons of input and it took a long time, but God made it clear through those months that he was calling us to um, serve him in the ministry. That's a big sacrifice to leave a medical career to go into the ministry. What what was going on in your mind? Like, how did you weigh the the pros and cons of that decision? Yeah, um, I, I, I had to ask myself, like, why, why do I even want to be a doctor? I think that had just always been in my mind since I was younger. Um, I think it really was to help people. But I think underneath that, there was also a, you know, there's a status and a power in a, you know, kind of a, a social um, status that comes with, with being a physician. And I, I'm, in my nature, I'm a big people pleaser and, you know, want to be liked. And so I had to ask myself, why do I really want to want to do this? And I think when it came to like, do I really want to help people? And do I really want to just be as close to God as possible? I think that that opened the door to, well, it doesn't have to be medicine like that. I, I just want to help people and serve God. So God just make it clear what that is. And so that, I think once that piece of surrender was there and God peeled back the, you know, other motives that weren't as pure, um, it became easier. Um, but so it wasn't money it, driving you. Yeah. Um, did you say it wasn't money driving me? Right. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. No. Um, I, I don't, I think, I think that's, not been a huge factor too much for Megan and I, um, but I, I would lie. I'd be lying if it said it. I didn't think about it. Sure, but it is. It is a big difference in income, but um, definitely wasn't the biggest driving factor. No. How'd your parents take it? Oh man, that was rough. Oh boy, uh, not well. I don't know uh, <laughs> if our listeners are familiar with Middle Eastern moms, but it's very much the kind of shame um, honor culture of, uh, your, your, your kids are going to become doctors or engineers or they're kind of failures. And so it was very much like you're, I'm bringing shame upon my family. Um, I think, I think my mom said something to the extent of, you know, I don't know you anymore. I feel like I lost my son and mm. uh, our, our relationship was really hard for a couple of years. How's it now? Uh, it's actually really good. Grand grandkids, you know, they, they, <laughs> they <laughs> repair. repair <laughs> makes, makes a big difference. That takes a lot of courage to make that decision. I remember when I told my mom I became a Christian, that was just miserable. And she freaked out about that. And then I told her I was going to go in the ministry. Oh my gosh. I mean, she didn't like that. And then I told her I was going to go to Japan, do missionary work. Oh my Lord. Just kept getting worse. You know, she's like, Hey, there's plenty of sinners here in, in Oregon. Why, why are you going to Japan? But anyway, I, I commend you for making that decision. It takes a lot of guts. Now I want to just talk a little bit about you guys are in Albuquerque and you're leading the campus ministry at what campus? University of New Mexico. University of New Mexico. I've been told that you've doubled your ministry to 30 disciples over the past two years. Is that true? Yes, it is. Okay. And how'd you do it? Let's talk, let's break this down. You want to go first? Yeah, I think, um, 
just a little bit of backstory with it. Like the ministry doubled in in two years, but there there were a lot of years before that that I think were very formative for us as ministers and for our campus ministry. Um, I think it was these years of challenges and in personal growth that set a foundation for our ministry to grow. Um, we back in 2015 we started praying for 30, a ministry of 30, and we almost made it. But then as we took a closer look and, and stepped back and, and looked at even the disciples in our ministry, we realized that we were close to 30 on paper, but in actual like living out discipleship, it was a lot less than that. And so we decided that we were going to change our prayer from 30 to praying for a healthy 30. Mm. And we want to focus on the health of our ministry. And so part of what that required was having conversations with the lukewarm Christians and, and calling them to make a decision if they were going to be hot or cold. And it was a big pruning season. We had a lot of people choose to walk away. Um, and then from there, we, we looked at, we considered our ministry and considered, okay, what, what do we want to build here? And, and how can we be very intentional about building this? Yeah. So I, I think, if you're to look at what happened the last two years, there, it was really a, a DNA or a culture built in the ministry from, you know, 2016, 2017, that I think has led to a group that's, that's able to grow. And so we, we took a lot of time um, to figure out, Hey, what are going to be the core pillars of a healthy ministry? So we, um, with some of our student leaders at the time developed some core pillars to our ministry that we were going to evaluate on, not just, Hey, what, what's our number on paper, but how do we evaluate health? And so those are things like, you know, being motivated by grace, being devoted to each other, um, becoming more holy. Um, so we have these the six pillars that we teach on and evaluate on. And um, I think as we, as we started to focus more on like first Corinthians three talks about building well and building with care that um, it's created a, a healthy culture that's really able to sustain more growth. Um, and so I think in that, in that time, we, we, we went from, you know, 15 back up to 26 again, from like 2017 to 2020, and then COVID kind of halved everybody's ministries. So we went back down to 14 or 15 um, as we started 2021. And then that group, um, you know, got to 29 by the end of uh, 2022. And, and we're in the low thirties right now. And so I, I would say the biggest thing is that trying, trying to focus on that healthy culture. Um, and then, and then a few more things like we, we really, um, really decided that, Hey, we're going to believe Jesus in John 15, that we can do nothing apart from him. Um, that our ministry needs to be God centered and centered on prayer and um, reliance on Jesus. And so we, we, felt, we coming out of COVID, um, it, it, was, it was kind of a rough patch again for our ministry. Uh, we didn't have a lot of experienced leaders, younger group, you know, gone through some refinements. Like, hey, we're going we're gonna to focus on Jesus and be really faithful um, and trust that, you know, uh, what he says, if you ask for it in prayer, um, it will be done. And if we are, are connected to him, we will bear fruit. And so um, I think just that focus helped helped that group um, feel like, hey, we we can do this. Like God can work through us wherever we're at. Um, and if you want to add to any of that, I probably should keep going. And so really focus on being faithful and God-centered. Um, and then I think something we've learned to do well that contributes to growth is really maximizing the beginning of the fall semester and working really, really hard at the beginning of the fall. So we do, um, we got this from the Smiths who were in Dallas, like we do a boot camp week to kick off our fall semester. So the week before school starts, we try and get all our students back and we do, we practice sharing our faith. We set really intentional sharing goals. Every student has a goal for the number of people they're going to share with that first week of school, the number of Bible studies they're going to be in uh, throughout the semester. And, and we practice. So that way, when we, when we hit the first week, like everybody's ready. And um, I think that that first week of school, we call it rush week here is just, um, is 
I would say most of our Bible studies and momentum comes from that. And so I think we've learned how to do that week um, well and create a lot of momentum. And so those Bible studies carry. So I, I think this fall, I don't know, we probably had 30 Bible studies after the first week. I think the fall before that was probably even more. Um, so, and, and that just really carries a lot of momentum throughout the fall. Okay. So you talked about, you, you just glanced on six pillars. Sounds like you've got a ministry philosophy that's driving what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about it? What What's your campus ministry philosophy? Yeah. Um, I mentioned it before, but I think first is, um, you know, everything comes from our connection to Jesus, that John 15, he's the vine, we're the branches, apart from him, we can do nothing. And so really believing and trusting that if as a ministry, we're centered on Jesus and connected to him and just have a huge view of Jesus, um, if we do the best we can to, when we're studying the Bible, people and discipling people, just connect them to Jesus, that trusting that that will bear fruit, that we don't have to necessarily make it happen, but if we can connect people to Jesus, um, the fruit will come. And then uh, I, I mentioned the building well, the first Corinthians three, like I would say that's a, that's a huge ministry philosophy that, hey, we're going to focus on quality and um, the conditions for for growth. And and so if, we're, if healthy things grow, and so if we're focusing on being healthy, God can make it grow. Um, and so I don't know if you want me to go through those pillars, but I would say those are two of the things that we're always keeping in mind is being centered on Jesus, building well. Um, yeah, would you want me to mention those other pillars or no? Heck yeah. Go ahead. Dig into it. Um, so the, the first one's obedient to God's word. So everything we do is um, from from the word of God. So teaching people to be in their word. Um, second one is being motivated by grace. Uh, and then actively pursuing God. So okay, really helping. Okay, slow down a second. So first one's obedient to God's word, motivated by grace. Okay, what's number three? Um, actively pursuing God. So that's just that everyone has to have the individual connect conviction that they're going to pursue God through prayer, through Bible study, through community. Um, and then devoted to one another. And then the fifth one would be uh, we ex extend God's love. So extend God's love to the poor and to the lost. And then the last one's being made holy. Okay, where'd that come from? Like six pillars, like... Was this like some sort of uh, vision in the night? Did you have a little angel appear to you? What? Wh where'd this come from? So what we did was we got out a big whiteboard that we had, and we just brainstormed all the things that we can think of that were important to discipleship, to faith, um, to ministry culture, and we wrote them all down. And then we... Um, you know, coupled up the ones that seemed similar to, to narrow it down. And then just prayed a lot about, because it could be easy to have 20 different things, right? right that we exactly. But I think through just prayer and reflection, um, these six seem to be the most um, overarching for all the things that it seems did you guys come up with this yourself? Was this in conjunction with Josh and Stacy? Like, when, and when did this happen? It was ourselves. Um, we did something similar as a church. Um, like we have, we have church pillars as well, and and so we did that as a staff. Um, and then I think this was 2016. Yeah, after that season of um, refinement, where we had a lot of hard conversations with some of our students. Um, we had to ask ourselves, so how do we build well? And I think this is what came out of that. Um, I think part of it too, I was getting my master's in public health at the time. And so you learn a lot of, uh, it, it, a lot of, it, I guess the way we came about this was, was from an activity I learned in my graduate program of um, creating mission statements, vision, you know, 
creating culture, organizational culture. So we, we've done some stuff like this in my grad program. And so I'm like, hey, we can apply this to building healthy ministry. Okay. But a lot of people know about that, like developing a mission statement, but sometimes it just, it's, you type it up, you put it on the wall, it's forgotten yeah. and you don't go back to it. Sounds like it's, gui- it's actually guiding your ministry. I mean, it sounds like it's in the DNA. How, how'd you make that step from just simply a fun exercise to like, Hey, this is actually, it, it means something. Yeah, I, I would say the step is in planning and evaluation. So before every semester, we, we, we take those six pillars and we, we go through, hey, how are we doing in each one? We give our students a survey, like, let's just say actively pursuing God, that's a pillar. The couple of questions will be, hey, how often are you spending time in the word? How often are you spending time in prayer? Rate the quality of your times with God. Um, and then so we'll have... We have this survey we give at, at the beginning or end of every semester and this evaluation we do and we do with our student leaders. And so it really keeps us focused. Like if, if we really believe, hey, these are essential to health. So it just, it's, it's kind of like monitoring the health of your ministry. So like if you go take blood work at a physical exam every year, they're taking, you know, they're monitoring certain um, markers of your health. These are our markers. And so we evaluate them and then it shows us, hey, where 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 do we need to focus? And so um, we then plan whether it's midweeks or focus or prayer goals in the next semester or year based on what we see from that evaluation and from the survey we give our students. You mentioned it before, but COVID had a huge impact on campus ministries across the country, probably around the world. How has this helped you to tackle some of the 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 residue, the impact of, of COVID and the isolation and all the um, the symptoms that, that surfaced because of the pandemic? I would say, I think part of it is it's so easy to get distracted, especially in the midst of, you know, a pandemic or all these other challenges coming up. And one of the helpful things about having, you know, this focus is, it allows us just to, to, I think, recenter a lot more easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, when we came back from COVID, I believe we did, when we first started the pillars, we did a midweek series with our students going through each pillar and teaching on them. We right. created a quiet time series, like based on them. And then um, we just, we did the same thing after COVID. Like we, it was in some sense a rebuilding, but we already had the tools from when we first started rebuilding to, to do it again. So I, I think it, it simplified the process for us somewhat. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to look at ministry and feel like we need to grow in every area. I think it helps us to pick, um, like you can't, six pillars, it's really almost impossible to focus on all six of them in one semester to see, Hey, here's, here's where we're at right now. Like um, coming out of COVID, let's say, Hey, we really need to focus on our relationships. It's like, Hey, we're, we're gonna spend a semester on this one pillar or a semester on this, these one or two things. And so it helps us to focus our prayers, our energies, our efforts, what we're teaching on, um, and not feel like we have to do everything at once and trusting that, you know, most students are in the campus ministry two or three years, you're going to really make it through all of them, um, and help people grow in all of them over that course of time. I heard from another leader that you dedicate one devotional to prayer and fasting. So why do you do that? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, once a month, uh, first Friday of every month, typically we we have a, a day of fasting and then we break it all together as a campus with um, dinner at our house and a prayer and worship night at following that dinner. In you know, Mark 9 and Matthew 17, Jesus talks about there are some things that could only come out by prayer and fasting. And so we, Armin mentioned earlier, we really try to be reliant on God in, in our ministry culture and philosophy and believe that prayer and fasting plays a major role in that dependence. And so I think it, it does a couple things. One, it is a time to be reliant and dependent on God, come to him to uh, move our ministry, move our hearts, 
help us individually and collectively. So it's a coming to God, but also it's been a, a time as a ministry and as a community to really get connected. I think it's increased uh, the intimacy amongst our students, the disciples, visitors or those studying the Bible um, will often come and it is a really special time of growth, of vulnerability, of connection with God and, and each other. And we used to just do it once a month or, or sorry, once a semester. Um, and we just realized how powerful it was. And we realized we, we went through the season of, man, we, we need this desperately. <laughs> like we can't do this on our own. And, and so we started doing it somewhat consistently. And then we, start doing it consistently. Actually one semester, we sort of, we had a time at the end of the semester, just talked about like, what were our favorite things from the semester? And many people said it was the, the prayer and worship nights and, and days of fasting. And so we're like, okay, we, we need to, we need to do this as consistently as possible. That's counterintuitive. Why, why do you think that is? That it was people's favorite part. Exactly. I mean, fasting doesn't, Typically, you go, oh, yeah, let's go fast. I I think of like, if you look in Acts and you read through, what, what stands out to me every time is that they were together in prayer. They were together in prayer. And then the Spirit moves, moved through that. And I think people saw the Holy Spirit move in their own life and in the ministry and connected it with, man, this 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 is powerful. I think experiencing that, because um, at first, like, we came out of 2020 um pruning season for everybody it was challenging especially for the guys in our ministry i mean we, we were down to like six guys had some guys fall into some um different sin different challenging situations didn't have any of our student leaders left and so it was like guys we're just gonna have to do this by faith and we we're praying to double our guys group that year and it's got to be faith and so I, I think it came from the sense of desperation of hey we we don't have the experience the knowledge the the plans like i mean all, we we had this big plan going into 2021 it got messed up by some of these situations and so we're like hey the semester's starting and we got to do something so we're going to pray and fast a lot and um i think people experienced like hey we don't know what we're doing we're going to go to god and when you see god answer some of those prayers and you see god move it i think it's inspiring and builds builds a level of connection that you know, I, I think fun is very important in campus ministry, but builds a level of connection that's not built by just having fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, mentioned the book of Acts, you know, Acts 2.42 talks about how the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I think these nights hit all those notes as well. Like fasting is challenging, but then the coming together and the breaking of bread or breaking the fast and enjoying a meal together, I think there is just so much connection involved um throughout the night with all these different things and and i think doing it together like just you know being in the battle together or fasting together uh, makes it a, a very significant um, part of our ministry wow that's awesome what kind of miracles have you seen as, as a result of, of this prayer and fasting or things like yeah. that yeah i mean it was pretty incredible um, that what God did um, th that year. Like I just mentioned, we we went from I think five or six student leaders down to two who were just girls. Um, not a lot, not not any experience on the guy side. We're praying to see our six guys double that year. Um, and so some of, some of the miracles is, is we just we saw eight guys get baptized in the next fourteen months after that. Um, so that group of six in the last little more than a year and a half, almost two years is up to 19 guys. And I think God just worked through the faith of, and, and just the reliance on him. And it wasn't like, uh, it, it wasn't like, wow, we've got a stud group of six guys to start with. It's like, Hey, we're, we're putting the JV team in and, and we're going to do the best <laughs> we can. And, so, um, and, and, and God bless that. I think uh, we've also prayed for a long time to put people in the ministry and that people would have a hunger to go into the ministry and serve God. And so um, we've seen five people from our campus 
in the last year going to the ministry, I think there's a spirit of desiring that again. I think there's more up and coming who they want to do internships, want to um, see if the ministry's for them. And so I think that's been a huge answered prayer and miracle. And then I think it's the more we focused on health, the fewer people we've seen fall away. Like I, I think um, for a while, you know, we've been able to baptize maybe 10 people a year in our campus ministry, but then you see five of them fall away. Um, I think in the last several years, it's been maybe for every 10 people we baptize, there's one or two, maybe two people fall away. And just the miracle of seeing these people be faithful, grow, um, mature. And, and that might not sound like a miracle, but, you know, after years of seeing half the people you baptize fall away, like it really is so much more encouraging for the ministry and glorifying to God and his kingdom to see people not just stay faithful, but mature. Oh, it's a total miracle. So you, you say focus on health, which means, what does that mean to you? Focusing on health has helped you to increase your retention of disciples. Like, can you get specific on that? Yeah, I think it goes back to the pillars, like helping every person grow and mature in in these six areas. So helping them in their own walk with God um, grow deeper and more intimate and more reliant on God, Um, helping them experience God's love and grace in new and deeper ways, teaching them to use their gifts to um, serve, become become givers. So I think just m- maybe you could replace health with basic maturing. But um, I think in, in campus ministry, it can be easy to just focus on making disciples. And but, but I think maturing disciples will also lead to making more disciples in the long run. So focus on helping these young students mature. Like one, one thing we try to do I think's really helped is work with groups at different um, levels in our ministry. Like, let's say you have a, a leaders group, but then maybe a, we, we call it like a Timothy group, like up and coming leaders, and then a young Christians group. But but just being really intentional and diligent at things like, hey, the follow up studies, and then getting those young Christians into a Timothy group where you know every week they're over at our house and we're learning how to lead the first couple of Bible studies. We we go through a book on Jesus um, with that group every year. Um, it's a new new group of students every year, but just how amazing the qualities of Jesus are and helping them fall deeper in love with Jesus and helping them grow in humility and reliability. And then, um, so, so I, I would say just helping them mature in those ways. Okay. What do you do for discipling? Let's talk about just discipling relationships, like how, how's it structured? What's your philosophy there? Like, what are you doing to help people to stay connected? Yeah. Um, we're, we're big fans of D groups. And so we do, uh, everyone's in a discipling group of three to five. Um, and so we disciple the D group leaders. So we'll, we each have two discipling groups of our D group leaders that we meet with. And that's kind of a model of, Hey, this is how you run your groups. And then they they have weekly um, meetings with their, with their discipling groups. And so that, that's how we, how we structure it. So Um, it's not like one-on-one discipling, essentially you disciple the discipling group leaders in a group and then they in turn, turn around and disciple a small group of, of people in a group situation rather than just one-on-one. So it's not like a bunch of different one-on-one appointments. Yeah, how, how did you totally. come to that? How did you land on that model? Mm, that's a good question. Do you remember? I, I think where it was first presented to us was um, Kyle and, and Kristen Eastman they came to and did one of our fall retreats and I believe it was them. They did, um, they did groups, discipling groups in their ministry. And, and so that was, I think like the first sort of learning of a different way to go, um, to structure discipling. And then I think just over the years after that, as we have tried different things, I, I'm pretty sure our mean, at some point it was like, this is what we need to do and spearheaded it. I was a little bit more resistant to it. It's like, this is a really hard transition to make. How are we going to make sure all the needs are met? And it was, it was, it took some time to 
to build, um, to create it where it was like meeting needs and, um, but it, it has really been fruitful, like since we've been able to right. establish these groups. Yeah. And I think the, it requires some real training of, Hey, what are D groups? How do they function? Like we, we it's simple. Like, Hey, we're, we're answering two questions every time. Like the most important command is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. So how, how's it going? Loving God with all your heart and loving others. And so loving others includes, you know, whether it's the ministry, your household, the lost. So how, how are we doing in those areas every week? And then each student, we have each student pray before the semester starts and ask God, hey, what's one area of growth that I could focus on this semester? And they, they memorize a scripture. And so, the, and how's it going in your one area of growth? And so, and we, one of the D groups a month, we try and encourage them to just do something fun and bonding, but the other three are really like, hey, we're answering these three questions. Um, how's it going? Loving God with our heart, loving people, and in our one growth area, and how, how can the group help us? And so we've tried to create it where it's not the D group leader is responsible for discipling everyone else in the group, but really it's a, hey, we're 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 helping each other. And that's that's got to be the culture of, if there's four of us, it can't just be the D group leader who's holding the other three accountable. It's uh, or encouraging them or spurring them on. Like we're, if someone needs, if someone's having a hard time getting in the word, like everyone in the group needs to pitch in, have quiet times with them or, you know, send reminders, whatever's going to be helpful. So I think building that's taken some time, but I, I think it's helped create a culture where it's like, Hey, we're, we're all helping each other. Um, and it's, it's a little bit less on the people who are facilitating the groups. Like if they were having to disciple three or four people individually. Okay, so that's that's a great, great thing because one of the challenges in one-on-one -on -one discipling or like a traditional discipling tree is people get forgotten. It, it, you just get so busy. I mean, it's just you start to multiply appointments during the week and especially people seem busier than ever these days. It's hard to yeah. get all those appointments squeezed in, but a D group is something that you can do consistently. They, do they meet weekly? Is that is that the plan? Okay. Yes. Talk about, talk a little bit about your schedule. Like for the average student in your ministry, what are they doing on an average week? What what are their anticipated appointments or events? Yeah. So um, we everyone's in a discipling group that meets every week. Um, everyone's in a Bible talk group that meets every week, and our Bible talks are um, we're we're here to evangelize, make disciples. We play volleyball and have a Bible discussion, really go share 30 minutes before and help have uh, the goal is to bring friends. Um, and then there's midweek. Uh, we have a, a, a midweek every week. Half of those are campus midweeks, half with the rest of the church. And then um, on Friday, every Friday, we'll have a um, something fun or one of those nights of prayer and fasting um, and then church. And so um, I would say probably about half, maybe 70% of our students are able to make it to everything. I think we've, you've got students in the band or the ROTC or the football team who um, were like, hey, church and midweek, those those are the top. Um, church, midweek, and D group. Like those, those are the three kind of non-negotiables if you can't make it to every Friday or can't make it to every Bible talk. Um, but usually most students can, but definitely depending on financial situations, some students have to work more or, um, you know, we we want students to be, plugged in other things. And so, um, you know, have a group to reach out to like in, in the band or the football team. And so, um, some of those might not be able to make it to everything, but that's the normal rhythm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing to raise up leaders. That's something that's always impressed me about Josh and Stacy. And now you guys is you guys have had a great, great track record being a small church in raising up leaders. And I know that you've sent off campus students who became, went into the ministry and they've done amazing things in the places they've gone to. So what, what do you do to raise up leaders? Yeah. Like you mentioned, Josh and Stacy have been I think, experts in this area and, you know, they're, they're both the reason why we're in ministry right. and where we're at. 
and have seen them send so many people out. And so I think they have really ingrained in us the importance of training a vision of having belief in people, of having conversations with people who maybe even ministry is not on their mind, but but giving them a vision for themselves and, and what God can do through them. And so we, we've had great examples in, in the Petersons with that. And practically speaking, I mean, mentioned earlier, we have, we're ideally, we're always trying to work with different levels of students. So whether it's new Christians, you know, trying to help them to, to mature or our Bible talk leaders, helping them to lead uh, this, this past year, we've had interns, which has been really incredible. Um, and so raising the interns to be prepared for full-time ministry. And so we're always trying to consider how can we, how can we be taking each group to the next level? And, and in these group, I think groups, God really makes clear people's hearts, people's desires, people's gift set um, to, to be able to do that. But then also we, we try to outsource a lot. You know, we know that we, we can only give so much. We, we are limited in um, our training. And so we encourage our, our students to do things like MIT. Um, we have an MIT program here run by um, that the Zillmans have spearheaded in the Rocky Mountain region. MIT. Ministry and training. A ministry program, and yeah. training program. So it's here, it's a three-week program where students go, they, they live with disciples, it's up in Denver, and it is like a, a boot camp of ministry training. And it's not just for people who want to go into the ministry, it's just for people who want to grow in, in serving God. And so we've had a lot of our students do that. We encourage internships, um, campus summer internships, youth and family internships, um, help our students to know what's out there, uh, what opportunities there are outside of Albuquerque to experience these things. We work with the, the Philippines as a church, you know, having our students, encouraging our students to go on those mission teams, really um, helping our students to be environments where they can experience God and experience serving God in these special ways for their own personal growth and their own personal vision for what they could do for God's kingdom. And I think it has really just stirred the hearts of, of our disciples to want to do great things for God. Yeah. And to piggyback on that a little bit, I think that that Timothy group is really important because um, there's probably some campus ministries that don't have any student leaders, but once you have some, it's easy to just focus on them and work through them. But then when they graduate, you're kind of starting from ground zero. So having a second group where it's like, hey, they're they're not baby Christians anymore, but they're not, you know, ready for responsibility. So um, how, how can we really um, inject them with faith, encouragement, training? And so every spring we try to do that. And it's maybe last eight to 12 weeks. And um, we'll pull in the Petersons or different, uh, older married couples from our church to maybe lead some some of those times, uh, but just to focus time to give them vision of hey, like um, as you mature, like God can can really use you in even more incredible ways, and giving them a vision of learning the Bible study series, being able to mentor other people in their faith. Um, but that comes with hey, you, you've got to grow and mature and be reliable yourself first. And right. so I think out of that group, God makes clear, okay, here are some of our next leaders that we can really invest in. I think one other thing I would add, you know, we, we teach these things, but then we also believe in walking with people. And so not just teach it and you do it, but showing them first, you know, being in, in Bible studies with them, sharing with them on campus, then, you know, watching them as they do it and giving feedback in a very intentional coming alongside and, and showing this is, this is what it looks like to um, make disciples, or this is what it looks like to disciple others. And then what we've seen is, you know, where it's, we're in a really cool spot where now as we walk with others, like our, our next level is teaching them how to then train others. And, and so that's where we're at is, you know, especially with our interns, training them to train others. 
and walk with others. Okay, let me ask you this, Megan. You've got three kids, five-year-old, a three-year-old, one on the way. How do you do it? Okay, there's there's about 300 women's campus leaders that would just like to know, how do you do it and maintain your sanity? Yeah, it's... Um... I don't always do it well, <laughs> that is for sure. And it is has been very challenging. And I definitely don't do as much as Armin does. Um, I think this past semester with our interns, it's been, it, it has been a little bit more because we've really wanted to to walk with them and, and teach them hands-on. My kids now um, go to preschool half days and, and so that, you know, clears up some, some of the time to do it. But I think it's being scheduling, you know, being really intentional with scheduling has, has been important. Our communication, I mean, we really try to work together as a team and evaluate, okay, what are the important things that I need to be at? Um, and Armin is really helpful at, at making the space for, for me to do that. I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been trial and error for us. Even, you know, yesterday I brought the kids onto campus. I decided, you know, babysitting fell through. I decided, you know what, we're going to skip nap times and rest time. And, you know, if there's this Bible study and I don't know if that was the best idea. <laughs> you know, I look back, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't think they're ready for that yet. So a lot of trial and error and a lot of grace. Um, but also our students love our kids. I, I think there's something really special that our, our kids get to experience with being on, they love going to campus. Right. They love being with the college students. Our daughter, you know, this morning, our three-year-old daughter was like, are the interns coming over today? <laughs> they, they, they love it. And, and, and so we try to pull them into it. I would also say I have, I have pulled back a lot in terms of the events that I'm a part of. And so we, we used to be at everything. Now our, our students are really able to lead our Friday night events, um, to, to manage Bible talks well. And, and so we're not, we're not at those events unless we feel like we need to be, or our monthly prayer and fasting we have at our house. Okay. So that leads into an, another question I have is how do you build that student led ministry? You know, like you guys are super gifted, super talented, tons of experience. It'd be easy for you just to do everything and develop kind of a playpen mentality where it's like, you know, they're just, it's kind of a holding pen for these college students. And you, you just kind of provide them entertainment every Friday, organize their activities, and then they just kind of let go once they graduate. How do you develop that student led, hey, I'm going to drive this ministry as a student. Yeah, um, we're huge fans of the book Master Plan of Evangelism um, by Robert Coleman. And so I, I think it's it's the only way, it's the way of Jesus that um, I think it's in that book he talks about, um, you know, I do, you watch, I do, you help, you know, you do, I help, you do, I watch. And so there's always this progression of, you know, Jesus's method to win the world was through investing in a few people and, and equipping them to do what he did. And so I think if we're of the mindset of we're trying to do it ourselves, we're not doing it the way of Jesus. And so the, if the, the impact really comes from multiplying ourselves. I think a big, a big piece of that was out of necessity when we started having kids that you, you quickly realize, okay, I, there's an urgency to my need to pass some of this off. But I think it's always thinking through, okay, like, um, what, what am I doing that I, that I need to train someone else to do? So I think years ago it was, Hey, we, we, we need the students to take ownership of Bible talks. And so it's, you know, at midweeks, what's the purpose of Bible talks? How do we make these great hands-on training or giving examples of good Bible talks, training people to do it, giving them feedback. And then it's like, okay, you, like, you don't need me anymore. Now you teach somebody else to do it just how I taught you. And then able to, you know, step back from that or, um, and, and, and that's, I think a series of, of, of progressions, like even D groups, like there was a time not that long ago where we probably led 
a majority of the D groups, but then it's okay. Who's here that I can begin. Okay. You're going to lead this one and I'm going to give you feedback or I want you to watch me and, you know, let's talk afterwards about what I did and why I did that. And what, how, how are you going to do that? And then, you know, giving them more and more and then, okay, this is your D group. Now I'm stepping out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's that mindset of we're, we're always trying to do that. Um, yeah. And I think it, it was a process. I don't think we could have done that without first knowing how to to lead the ins and outs of, of campus ministry. I think it was important for us to, to be fully hands-on. And then like Armin had shared, when we started having kids, we had no choice but to have to pass it off. And we had a lot of intentional conversations with our ministry of, hey, this is where we're going to be limited. And so like this ministry is yours. Like we, we need you to, to stand up. If we're going to see things happen, it, it's going to be you. Right. And I think what we've had, or at least what I've had to wrestle with and be okay with is calling my students to a standard of working hard and being on campus and being engaged. Even if I am not able in, t- in my life stage and with our other responsibilities to match up to that level of working hard. Like we had um, the O'Quinn the O'Quinn shared with us one time this idea of like it is okay to call them to the standard. Like you've been there. Like you you did the grinding on campus. Like you you put in the work and you don't. That's not your stage of life right now. But it's still okay to call them <laughs> to do that. And so I think there's a wrestling that could come with that. Like oh should I be doing that? But I think really believing like it is it's good for them. It's, you know, it's, it's fruitful. They, they're going to grow and, and learn, um, that we can't, we can't control. Like it's, it's not good for, for our students in our ministry to do everything ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I would add to just going back to the pillars, like when people are close to Jesus, like, I think Jesus gives them that vision. And I, we in the in August we really try to prepare our group as best we can for the semester. So every student taking time to pray, to fast for vision and for goals. So all the goals we come up with are, are prayer goals. It's the students are contributing to those. Like they're all praying, "Hey God, wh- what's the number of Bible studies I could faithfully commit to every week this semester?" Every student's like, "Hey, I'm going to try and be in two or three Bible studies this semester, or wh- whatever they choose." But I think it takes time to give them a vision and a voice and a buy-in. But so every prayer or goal or focus we have, that they have a voice in that. And I think they understand that if this is going to happen, it's because we take ownership of it. And so um, I think it's it's really hard to say, hey, here's the vision and the goals. You guys go do it. I think it takes longer, but it's more holistic and healthy to help people spend the time with Jesus to get the vision and to inspire them to, uh, to, to gain, you know, insp- vision, clarity of, of what the ministry could be and what it would require of them to get there. And so really taking the time to do that before each semester is really important. What advice would you give to those who want to make this life count? I think of um, John 12, when Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. My thought is if we want to make this life count, then we don't make it about us. We we die to ourselves and we focus on others and on God. Yeah, um, we had the privilege of meeting with John and Barry Lusk when in that season we were figuring out ministry or med school. And uh, John asked me, what, what's my compass? And I'm like, I, I don't really know. And he's like, you, you have to have something. That, what's your true north that's always going to point you in life? And um, he's like, if you don't have a compass, it's going to be really hard to make this decision. And he sh- they shared with us, like, man, they, they just, their compass is, God, we, we want to be used uh, to the full po- to, to our full potential by you. So we're at whatever that's going to be, wherever that's going to be. And so I think we've adopted that in, in, in a way of just the prayer of, um, if you want to make this life count, like ha- have your true North compass be what, what's going to help me get the most of God and 
partner with God um, as much as possible and trusting that that is really, as Jesus says in John 10, 10, life to the full is if we have as much of God as possible, that's going to make this life count uh, more than anything else. It's awesome. Megan and Armin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And it's inspiring what, what God is doing through you in the ministry there. And uh, please, all the best to you guys as you lead the church while Josh and Stacy are on sabbatical. And uh, just look forward to seeing you guys in person sometime soon. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Rob. We'll see you at the small church conference. Amen. Are you looking forward to climb? We are. Yes, very excited. It's going to be awesome. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for what you do with this podcast and the conference. It's a, it's inspiration to many. So thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them on Amazon.com. Finally, support the Rob Skinner podcast with a gift. The link is in the show notes because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.